The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to South Australia today for some copper and gold action by Hillgrove Resources at its Canman 2 project, which is all of 55 kilometres southeast of Adelaide, virtually an Adelaide suburb. Now, Canman 2 is a historic copper name, both for South Australia and Australia itself, with a history stretching back to the 1840s. In the modern context, Hillgrove produced 137,000 tonnes of copper in concentrates between 2011 and 2020 from open pit operations. It is now working towards establishing an underground operation which would utilise the existing infrastructure uh, and the uh, existing 3.6 million tonne per annum treatment plan, for that matter, established for the open pit operation. So a low capex and speedy move into an underground mining operation is on the cards, which is just where you want to be with the copper price holding nice and strong at more than $4 US a pound. Um, The average uh, price last year was about $2.80 a pound, just highlighting What a change there has been in that copper market. Gold is doing okay too, despite recent weakness, with the current price just shy of last year's calendar average. Now, Hillgrove trades under the code HGO, or Hotel Golf Oscar. At a last sale price of 4.9 cents a share, it has a market cap of about 55 million. Recent equity raisings means the uh, underground push at Caman 2 is on in earnest. And to bring us up to speed on that story, we have Hillgrove's CEO and Managing Director, Lachlan Wallace, with us today. G'day, Lachlan. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for your time today. Oh, thanks for having me, Barry. Lachlan, just perhaps a bit of a scene setting. Before we jump into the underground push, could you give us a bit of a snapshot history of Cadman 2, and in particular, its open pit history under Hillgrove? Yeah, sure. So Hillgrove mined a series of open pits from 2011 to 2020, produced about 137,000 tonnes of copper in concentrate during that period. Um, be fair to say um, that uh, early on, Hillgrove um, did experience some financial hardship, um, particularly culminating about 2015. It was largely due to some erroneous geological modelling, which effectively overpredicted the grade and, and underpredicted the tonnes and, and got us into some financial difficulty. In uh, 2015, I assumed the role of GM at uh, Canman 2 and really focused on just building that geological capability at Canman 2, which has culminated then into revised geological model in early 2016, subsequent mine plan that showed far lower, but as it turns out, very accurate um, copper reduction forecast. The 2016 model um, for context reconciled to within 1% of total mm. copper reduction uh, from the open pits over the last four years of operations at Canman 2. Um, and once it was understood, the geology that is, it was relatively straightforward to developing to develop a corresponding mine plan that culminated in repaying around $70 million in debt and creditors, um, a fully uh, franked $9 million dividend to shareholders, and, and also gave us sufficient working capital to commence this underground drilling program that we are continuing to undertake to date. And I guess this experience really demonstrates that uh, the ore body, when it's understood, can ex- 
you know, return exceptional value. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, really pleased to note that we've retained that core group of, of people that really turned the, the operation around. And, and I think one of the key positives, and, and I don't really want to focus on um, the corporate too much, but one positive that does arise out of some of the difficulties that we did go through is that we are now in a very envious tax position um, as we start the Cam into underground with over $300 million in, in uh, tax losses uh, and $17 million of uh, franking credits, which enable uh, Hillgrove to really push out an additional $50 million in fully franked um, dividends um, as we get into cash flows from the Cam into underground. Right. Okay. Uh, just on the geology, uh, presumably the uh, what was mined in the open cuts uh, is the belief that these loads extend uh, at depth. So yeah, very steeply dipping loads over about 350 vertical metres were mined in the open pits. They continued directly through the economic open pit base. Um, and we have now drilled below the open pits to a depth of around 500 metres below the base of the open pit. So some eight to 900 metres below surface. Um, and those loads are still open at depth and along strike. So plenty of copper sitting there at depth. Um, the intercepts are showing that uh, there is adequate uh, grade continuity um, and width um, to support uh, a viable underground operation. So we are now continuing to uh, build out the resource base ahead of a planned restart next year, um, and we'll be chasing those loads um, to depth. Right. Now, I see you've established a, a 2020 maiden underground reserve of 2.2 million tonnes at 1.56% copper and 0.33 grams a tonne gold, and that a drilling program concluded uh, post that in August this year. Uh, best results, 171 metre at 1% copper. So I take from that a resource upgrade is in the works? That's right. So we would anticipate that around the end of October, we'll be updating um, that 2.2 million tonne resource um, with the additional 17 kilometres worth of drilling that has been undertaken since that resource was released. Um, the drilling results that have been released to public, um, as you mentioned, the 170 metres at 1% uh, copper. There was then more recently another 166 metres at 0.9% copper, which is about 70 metres along strike of that 170 metre intercept. Majority of these intercepts are sitting outside of the existing mineral resource estimate, both along strike and down dip. So we're very confident that we will see a material increase in resources when that report hits uh, hits the public sometime towards the end of October. Uh, very uh, long intersections there. Um... That's the nature of the ore body, is it? Um... No, it's not. Um, basically, the these are aggregated loads. They're multiple um, higher grade uh, intercepts. They are generally in the order of 10 to 30 metres in true width, that 1% to 3% copper. Um, and uh, we've just aggregated um, these through as they've hit multiple loads um, within the single intercept to get these larger headline numbers. But the reality mm. is that the, the underground is typified by a higher grade um, core with lower grade uh, halos. And what we are doing is continuing to work on our cost-related studies to determine the appropriate cutoff grade, um, given that we have such an oversized plant at CAMN2, we are able to produce a, a far lower head grade than, than what you would normally see in an underground operation because we're not having to repay that capital associated with the processed plant. And we have very cheap processing uh, costs generally associated with uh, coarse liberation, which leads to low energy inputs, mm-hmm. um, as well as um, very short distance, um, given that we, we have, well, the main ore loads, we are being intercepted from about 40 metres from the portal uh, location. We're cutting across those as part of the decline in infrastructure. So the very low capital 
um, with with the existing plant, um, the the very short distance to uh, be able to commence the production levels in the underground, as well as the uh, cheap liberation costs, all lead to um, uh, the opportunity to drop head grade, increase copper production, and this would be the way that we would um, anticipate maximising uh, value from the the underground resource, taking real advantage of the oversized process facility that we have as a remnant feature of the open pit operations. Mm. Nice luxury to have. Um, now, I mentioned the uh, equity raising. I think it was a $10 million placement in a $2 million SPP. Um, that's to fund uh, a pro, uh, infill extension, a 16,000-metre program as we speak. That's correct. So um, we have a, a number of opportunities to continue to expand the resource base ahead of a planned restart next year. So as you've just said, we completed an oversubscribed $10 million placement. Um, that positions Hillgrove with around $13 million in cash to further um, expand the resource with additional drilling, as well as accelerate um, the mining development plans. And in addition to that, we have um, encouraged existing and eligible shareholders to um, also participate through a $2 million SPP. Um, we will commence drilling this month. The drilling will initially focus on Nugent uh, ore system. This was a higher grade gold zone um, as well as copper that was mined from 2013 to 15 in order to bring this into the initial mine plan. And in addition, this month, we'll start uh, an underground um, decline to establish some underground drilling platforms um, to expand the resource um, as well as undertake some stope definition drilling uh, to inf- further improve the geological confidence ahead of um, planned mining commencement next year and uh, very pleased to announce that this decline will be established with very minimal cash outflow um, from Hillgrove due to a $2 million grant from the South Australian government, uh, as well as an agreement with Komatsu, which sees all payments deferred and contingent on the commencement of mining operations. So orchestrating the funding in this manner really enables us to bring forward the development um, without the associated cash outflow and of course bringing forward underground development has multiple benefits including accelerating and reducing the cost of the upcoming drilling program Mm -hmm. uh, increasing the geological confidence in the upper levels of the underground which is expected to then translate into lower cost of future project financing um, as we get to that stage in the the early stages of next year as well as enabling the stoke definition drilling and the initial decline development to be removed from the critical path to first copper which ultimately brings forward the potential restart of co-production and further reduces what is already a very low cost and near-term mine development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Komatsu uh, continuous mine is fairly unique, uh, no blasting, electric uh, electricity drawn off uh, South Australia's 50% renewable energy grid and uh, the ability to uh, you know, be quite surgical. Um, is, that, is that the reason why you've been able to structure that um, deal with Komatsu in terms of funding and uh, pick up that... Uh, injection from the South Australian government? Definitely. So South Australian governments see this as a technological um, step change with regards towards uh, zero emission mining. Um, it also sees it as an opportunity to access um, deeper lows, you know, particularly in the, the northern area of the state, which is typified by by deep cover in the in the Gawler Cratton area. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an opportunity that the South Australian government sees as potentially um, opening up new jurisdictions, um, which are otherwise subject to some impediments. Um, so hence hence their support of the project. Komatsu, for, for their end, 
Honda obviously very keen to demonstrate that uh, this machine has the the capability to uh, match it and, and do better than uh, the traditional drill and blast uh, underground development process and, and hence their interest in, in being able to run a very public trial at CAMN2. CAMN2, as you mentioned at the top of this podcast, uh, 55 kilometres from Adelaide. So it makes it very easy for people to come into the state, COVID notwithstanding, and uh, but be able to have a look at the MC51, the continuous cutting machine in operation um, in, a, in a relatively straightforward manner to be able to determine how that technology may apply to you know, their own respective projects. So a lot of good support from the South Australian and as well as more broadly in the Australian mining industry to see this type of technology get up and running. Has the equipment shown up at site yet? It has. So uh, the continuous miner arrived to site over the weekend. It was all unloaded yesterday. Um, and we are now uh, putting it together. We have also been down uh, at the base of the pit uh, applying a thin spray-on liner uh, to the portal face um, and uh, ensuring that all of the uh, equipment and infrastructure required to to commence the cut uh, is in place. So we would anticipate uh, towards the end of this month that we'll be in a position to commence the first cut. And I think you called it the MC51, but I was just wondering by now, have you given it a good Aussie nickname? Uh, no, we we haven't, and we, we probably would uh, be reluctant to do that to Komatsu. We think we'll let, uh, we'll let them uh, come up with that. <laughs> right. Now, given the, uh, the history there and the experience with the open uh, pit mining operation and your new understanding of the geology there, um, I, I assume that you've set uh, an exploration target. Uh, what is that and uh, how realistic do you think it is? Sure. The exploration target um, is about 8 to 16 million tonnes, 1 to 2% um, copper. So that's all within the existing permitted mining uh, lease or very much below the base of the three existing open pits. So all of the um, mineralisation within the open pits was extremely consistent in the the vertical, the Z-plane, if you like. Um, It's very steeply dipping, and all of these loads were continuing beyond the base of the the economic open pits. Uh, Drilling over the past couple of years has demonstrated that uh, the mineralisation does continue at depth um, below each of the the open pits um, up to 500 metres below the, the main giant pit, um, about 230 metres uh, has has been demonstrated uh, below the, the Nugent pit. Um, and, and all of these are still open at depth um, and, and and they are currently sitting in resources somewhere between uh, inferred and, and indicated in, in across the various areas. So I think the, uh, the re- there is no... Um, structural control um, that we're aware of that would see the um, mineralization cutting off um, at depth. Um, so for us, it's just a matter now of funding the additional um, drilling through to be able to uh, convert uh, exploration target through to um, resources. Uh, I think um, uh, over the past um 70 holes there's been something in the order of a bit over 90 um, mineral intersections and, and I think from from those 70 odd holes there was only three holes that didn't uh, intersect any uh, geology of um, economic 
merit, um, if you like. Mm. So um, it does sort of demonstrate that we have a very good handle on the on the depth continuity um, and and the spatial location of the mineralization below the base of the open pits. So my view is that uh, as we continue to drill, we will continue to both add additional tons um, in as well as upgrade the uh, existing tons to higher degrees of geological confidence ahead of um, project commencement next year. It's great to have a realistic uh, exploration target out there, but I was wondering what uh, you see as the minimum required for a restart. Yeah, I think... um it would be fair to say that based on the existing drilling we've we've got at the moment, we would have enough to justify a restart. Mm-hmm. However, as I talked about with the processing facility, um, there is a lot more value return through the Caman 2 project if we can have multiple working headings and increase the annual copper production. Now, we do that by uh, increasing the number of, of work areas. Um, so the last 17 kilometres of drilling has pretty much been below the base of the, the main giant pit focused on the Kavanagh load systems. I would like to bring in the Nugent load systems, which is where the drills will go um, when they arrive uh, at the end of this month, um, and uh, and bring that into the initial mine plan um, and, and probably bring in some other areas called Southwest Kavanagh and, and Spitfire, such that we have uh, more work areas, more uh, annual copper production potential, uh, and we can better utilise the existing infrastructure that we have on the on the site and uh, you know, continue to reduce, I guess, the, the fixed cost nature right. um, or, or, or the, the fixed uh, cost within the unit costs um, that, that we currently have. Okay. Um, regional exploration upside at all? Yeah, there is a host of uh, near mine exploration opportunities as well as a broader uh, opportunity um, down the southeast of South Australia. Um, immediately around the mine site, we have uh, three advanced exploration projects, um, one of which we started drilling um, about two months ago using um, some state-funded um, accelerated discovery initiative um, funding that we received mm-hmm. earlier this year. Multiple Copper gold zones were intersected in in this project called Stella, um, which is basically adjacent to um, the existing um, Caman 2 uh, mine lease and uh, located some 500 metres from the the processing facility we have at Caman 2. Uh, it in, it basically included a uh, an 80 metre um, uh, mineralised zone, very similar um, to the geology that we see. Uh, at Caman 2, as well as a further um, 30 metres. Um, within these zones um, were 0.6 metres at uh, 16.8 grams per tonne gold, 10% copper. Um, and that sits uh, about 300 metres directly down dip um, from a, an Aberfoyle hole drilled in uh, 1992, uh, which had uh, 0.9 metres at uh, 9 grams per tonne gold and uh, 0.2 percent copper. So we will continue to um, drill both in between um, these areas as well as down dip, um, as well as explore the geophysical target, which is some 750 metres um, in strike length. So something like cell obviously um, could never be picked up by the old timers. Um, and everyone who's returned to Canman 2 over the years is focused on the, the known resources, I guess. So it's fair to say that the expiration upside is, well, I would argue, it's not reflected in your share price or your market cap at this stage. 
Oh, not at all. Um, we put out that hole and there was there was no movement at all associated with uh, share price. I think um, we we own the land that it sits on. Um, we obviously have uh, all the processing facilities, um, including a, a permitted tails dam, um, already sitting there directly adjacent. So we have a real opportunity here to mm. to convert, you know, assuming expiration success with with the future drilling. Um, but but as you point out, I, I think uh, most people are now waiting to to see the performance associated with the underground mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once we we put that into production um, and uh, and and start generating cash flows from that, I think people will begin to start to sit up and listen um, and and understand the the value opportunity that we have here at Camen Two. Not not just for the the known resource, but also the surrounding uh, the geology that uh, within within the the sort of 10 kilometer radius if you like from the processing facility of which there are these three um advanced uh opportunities uh two yeah. of which sit on land that we either own or, or have uh, options over so make them relatively easy to convert um compared to, to to many other operations that are um you know seeking to to gain land access or or, or just going through those those early stages of, of exploration development so uh, final investment decision on Getting back, uh, well, taking going underground first production potential. Yeah, so I'm anticipating that uh, we will do the drilling over the next uh, eight to nine months. Uh, we'll be in a position by the middle of uh, 2022 to reach a, a final investment decision. And at this stage, um, you're not able to discuss likely capital costs or uh, likely annual production targets now what we would be doing is we, we talked about we're putting out the mineral resource estimate which which will include this next 17 kilometers worth of drilling um mm-hmm. and and we obviously start the underground in addition to this we're also working on a cost study um because what i'd like to be able to communicate um i guess the excellent economics of the project particularly the low capital cost um that, that we see um given that we have all of the existing infrastructure, as well as a relatively low operating cost, particularly afforded by the favourable geology, which is you know, both steep dipping and geologically competent, keeping ground support costs low, uh, as well as the excellent uh, metallurgical liberation, you know, with coarse grind translating into very low energy input costs. Mm-hmm. And I'm confident once that the market understands the project economics better, um, coupled with this growing resource base, the stock value will appreciate accordingly, and, and hence the reason we'd like to communicate this to, to the market so I anticipate some sort of cost-related study uh, coming out um, over the course of the next couple of months. So there we go, folks. Um, a very interesting story. A uh, low capex and a speedy pathway to production there from a, an operation that benefits from uh, established infrastructure. All at a time when copper is doing its uh, thing at uh, more than US $4 a pound. So with that, Lachlan, thanks for your time today and all the best with it. Exciting story. Thanks for the opportunity. Cheers. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.